The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are going to talk about the Giannis takeover in the NBA, why it is Giannis's league, and everybody else is playing for seconds. We'll do golden kegs from the Bucks rousing win over the Los Angeles Lakers. We will also chat about the Marquette Golden Eagles and why there are bad matchups looming for the Golden Eagles in March based off the UConn loss today. We'll run through a couple golden kegs as well in that game. Lastly, we will do today in Aaron Rodgers rumors. We'll talk about Charles Woodson saying that Aaron Rodgers Packers should think about a trade for Aaron Rodgers. So we'll discuss all of that today and I'm sure much more. If I can get in a couple words about Halbert and to the Pacers, you know I will try. Um, again, shout out to everybody for listening recently. The listens have been fantastic. I really love to see it. It really makes me happy. It motivates me to keep this shit up and to keep going. So I appreciate it. If you've been telling friends, keep doing it. Keep finding new friends. And if you are new to this this adventure that is Tapping the Keg Sports, welcome. I hope, hope you're joining us on social media, following us on Twitter, Tapping the Keg there, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Find us wherever you, you prefer to hang out on social media. We'll hang out there with you. I'm hoping to do more cool shit as the year goes on. I promise you that. I um, just kind of have to get, gather my bearings and figure out what are the next moves and where are we going because I think it's going to be really exciting. So stay tuned for that. But let's not waste time talking about me. Let's talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo and the official finale of the takeover for the Greek Freak. Giannis Antetokounmpo won a championship last year. Giannis Antetokounmpo put his stamp on the NBA. I think everybody knew that Giannis Antetokounmpo was the next great player in basketball. Now, I think Bucks fans knew that for a long time, but the Greek freak had a lot of haters. A lot of people thought that Giannis was one-dimensional, thought that Giannis could not make free throws, thought that Giannis you know, might not necessarily hit that apex. But Giannis showed that and more. Still, there were people that doubted Giannis heading into the season. People said, well, if Kevin Durant's foot was... People said if Kevin Durant's foot was behind the line, then Durant would have won that game and it's still Durant's league. And Durant is still the best player in the league and all this other hubbaloo. People wanted to make a case for Kevin Durant. People made a case for Steph Curry. Joel Embiid's been doing some insane shit this year. And so people wanted to kind of come at the crown of Giannis Antetokounmpo. But I think this game specifically against the Lakers, against LeBron, who has been the father of basketball for the last decade, uh, it has been LeBron's league. It's been LeBron's league really, I, I don't know when it kind of was the takeover for LeBron. I think it was maybe that first heat championship was really the first time we started to say, okay, this is now LeBron's time. This is now LeBron's moment. LeBron has taken it from Kobe, where it was Kobe's league for a little bit, and now it belongs to LeBron. Now, Steph had some moments where I think feel like Steph took the crown, and it was Steph's league, and Steph sort of reigned supreme, but I do think the Durant inclusion, I think Steph's injuries have sort of taken that away, and LeBron reestablished himself with the journey to Los Angeles, with the Cleveland championship, and even when... LeBron was losing to Steph. It still was LeBron's league. 
And LeBron still had it when he was going through the Laker transition and then wins the bubble title, which I agree, Mickey Mouse title, but it still was LeBron's league. And I think about that value play. I think about the alley-oop that Giannis caught in Game 5 of the NBA Finals with LeBron sitting courtside with Adele and his agent Rich Paul of all people. And you can see them in the background of the picture. I know because I have a t-shirt with the value-oop on it. And when you look at it and you see LeBron watching Giannis Antetokounmpo catch that alley-oop and throw it down, to me, that was the moment when everything changed. That was the moment when the transition of power started to take place. You know how with presidencies, there is a lame duck period, right? You have a new president and for whatever it is, I think it's like 100 days, you know, there's basically that transition. Usually it's pretty seamless. Usually it's pretty peaceful, unless your name is Donald Trump. But other than that, usually it is a pretty peaceful time in not only the United States, but also at the federal government. This is basically what we had until tonight. Until tonight, we were having the transition of power. And now I think it's easily Giannis's league, and I don't think it's close. I think this league belongs to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Think about what Giannis keeps doing against every big team. When there is a big team and Giannis is playing, he fucking shows up. He gives it his all, and he looks like the best player on the court, and it's not even close. Think about that Brooklyn game. Think about that Golden State game. He's had 91 fucking points against the Los Angeles Lakers in two games. That is not by mistake. That is not by accident. Giannis shows up when it matters the most, when the lights are the brightest. And that is what LeBron James did when it was his league. That's what Steph Curry did when it was his league. That's what Kobe Bryant did. That's what Michael Jordan did. Those guys all lived up to that moment. And that is what Giannis is doing. He was the best player on the court by far. He had, I mean, he had 44 points on 20 attempts. 44 points on 20 attempts. That is absolutely ridiculous. He was extremely efficient out there. He also grabbed 14 rebounds and 8 assists. He completely dummied the Lakers. And so for anyone to think that this is not Giannis's league needs to get their head checked. Because the Bucs are the best team in the East. The Bucs are the best team in the NBA. It's not... I understand what the Suns are doing, and that's fun, and that's a good story, and I want to talk to Mitch a little bit about that. Unfortunately, we're taping Thursday, so I can't do the topic, so I might actually do it for myself. Let's save it for tomorrow. We'll talk a little more about the Suns. I want to preview the Suns for tomorrow's show, so we'll do a little Bucks suns preview tomorrow, and I'll, I'll leave it at that, but the Bucks are the team. Yes, they had sort of their malaise. They had their fog. But Giannis knew that he didn't need to turn it on. He showed glimpses. That Golden State game was a glimpse. That Brooklyn game, a glimpse. Both Laker games now were glimpses. And at some point, you'll get the full fucking show. But that might not be till round two. Might not be till round three, depending on results and what happens. Giannis is dominant. And he is the best player in the league. And there is nobody who can stop him. There are people who can get his way. But the stuff that he was doing against LeBron today, you haven't seen that from Giannis in other matchups when him and Braun have went head-to-head. Giannis with that fadeaway against LeBron at the end of the first quarter, or first half, excuse me, was one of the best Giannis moments of the season. 
Like, it's definitely one that if you're putting together a YouTube compilation, that is what you're starting with. Or Giannis just bodying LeBron in the lane and going body to body and beating him easily, not even trying. All of that matters. All of that shows how the transition of power is now with the Greek freak. And he is supported by his cabinet, his vice president, Chris Middleton, his secretary of state, Drew Holiday, his secretary of defense, Bobby Portis, attorney general, I would say it would be Grayson Allen. We can go all day, right? What would uh, semi ogile be? Maybe the department of... Man, I gotta think of it a useless job. Like the Department of Interior, maybe. Um, weigh in, let me know what which you would what cabinet position you'd give Semi. But the fact of the matter is, Giannis Antetokounmpo's league has begun. And so if it started today, if it starts in April or May when it takes the rest of America to realize this, it's happening. And it, it's happened. It hasn't even it's not just happening, it's happened. And Giannis owns the NBA. And this is going to be his league for a long time. And we'll see who tries to come after the belt. Because let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of unsuccessful trips for that presidency and for that belt. All right, let's move on to the Golden Kegs. If you're familiar with it, you get it. You know it's 3-2-1 three, three, based on who played the best and who played pretty good but not as good as the second keg or the third keg. Golden keg, perfect for the tapping the keg lifestyle. It is also the trophy that was given out for the UWM Marquette football, club football matchup back in the day. I wish I had a golden keg with me. At some point, I probably will buy a golden keg or maybe make golden keg t-shirts. We'll see. I have to work on the Brow House Boys t-shirts, which are coming, which will be out and available to those who want it. Um, way more to come on that. I have a grand plan that I'm very excited for. Like I told you early in the show, cool shit coming. Trust me on that. Three kegs, obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't really need to say much more about the night that Giannis Antetokounmpo had. Absolute domination of the Los Angeles Lakers. It was a masterclass in basketball. One of those games where you're thankful you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and that you get to watch this guy every night. And I'm sure there are so many people across America, especially on the West Coast, because I'm sure a lot of East Coasters are like, fuck this, I'm going to bed. This game's like on a hand. That watch this and are like, I just wish I had my own version of Giannis Antetokounmpo. You don't. He's in Milwaukee. He's ours until we say otherwise. Two kegs. I'm going with Bobby Portis. Uh, Bobby Portis did not make the All-Star game. It was a shame uh, that Bobby didn't. Um, but, or I'm sorry, not the All-Star game, the three-point contest. Bob, let Bobby shoot. Should have happened. Bobby had five threes in this game. Bobby's been on absolute tear. It's like Bobby wants to prove he belonged in the three-point contest. I absolutely love it. Bobby hit a lot of big shots tonight. Not only was he part of the run that extended the lead and got it out to 30 at one point, but also played hit a big, big three as the Lakers started to come back. I think... At that point, it was a 10-point game. I don't think it ever got back to single digits, but it was a 10-point game in the fourth quarter. You could feel Crypto Center having a little bit of buzz, and then Bobby hits a corner three that basically silences everybody. And that started a little bit of a mini run for the Bucs. I think they got it out to 16, and Lakers just really could not respond and couldn't get off the mat yet again. 
So Bobby hit big three after big three. The guy also did some dirty work inside with seven rebounds. So it wasn't like it was just all from the three-point arc. I, I just love uh, what Bobby brings to this team. I have no idea how they're going to work in Brooke Lopez. I would imagine it goes Brooke and then Bobby's your sixth man because the Bucks desperately need bench bench scoring. It still is a problem even when they're scoring 131 fucking points. Their bench did not score in double figures and they scored 131 points. Riddle me how that happens, but that's why Bobby Portis needs to be part of the second unit. And trust me, they'll make it work. The, the Bucks always do. Mike Poonholzer is a good coach and can figure that out. One keg. I'm going to go with Chris Middleton. I will preface this. So I'm going to take Middleton, and I'll, I'll explain why in a second. But Drew Holiday, man. So Drew, I felt like did not have that great of a game, right? Like I, I felt like watching it, I did not necessarily feel like Drew was out there. He had a couple big plays late um, that helped kind of mitigate the run that the Lakers were on. But other than that, I, I really didn't see much from Drew. Looking at his box score, guy had, well, 15 points on 12 on twelve field goals. Not great. But 15 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. Nearly had himself a Ben Simmons triple-double. Uh, for those unfamiliar, Ben Simmons triple-double, 10, 10, and 10. That is the quintessential Ben Simmons triple-double. So he almost had a Simmons. Uh, did not be, wasn't able to finish the deal there. Uh, but... Holiday had a sneaky good game, but I'm going to go with Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, 21 points. Did have it on 19 shots. He cooled off in the second half. As our friend Mitch would say, that was a typical Middleton game. It's very true. Uh, Middleton, first half was awesome. Uh, Second half, not so much. But that first half was a good glimpse into good Chris Middleton. And Chris Middleton's kind of starting to feel it again. Like we're finally starting to see, you know, that Middleton that we had expected all season. Now, I wondered out loud last week if the all-star berth would kind of jumpstart his season or if maybe he was dealing with some long-term COVID effects. And finally, he's starting to feel good. Um, we, we don't know that second part. Uh, that would be a HIPAA violation. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if this continues with Middleton and hopefully a little more consistent. But all in all, a very good game from Chris Middleton. Let's move to the college ranks. You had both the Marquette Golden Eagles and the Wisconsin Badgers in action as well. If you parlayed all three, Marquette would be the one that would bring you down. Uh, the Badgers were able to get it done against Michigan State, and Marquette was not able to get it done against UConn. Uh, for those unfamiliar, I'm not a Wisconsin fan, so we don't really talk too much about Badger basketball here. Every now and again, I'll, I'll throw some snippets in there. Uh, but it's not our main focus. If it's something you're interested in and you want to launch something, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. We can talk about how we can help you. We can also talk about how you get started, the whole whole fucking shebang, uh, because we definitely would be interested. I think it would be really important to have sort of a voice of the Badgers, but we're not there yet. So for Marquette, Marquette lost to UConn. They weren't necessarily ever... I would say in this game, in the sense of they were, they made a comeback to actually close the gap and tie it or take the lead. Their only lead was 13 to 11, or not their only lead, but that was their largest lead of the game, was 13 to 11 against UConn very early in the first half. UConn established their will. UConn is a bad matchup for Marquette. I told you guys. 
from the jump that I did not like this matchup for the Golden Eagles. I felt like this was one of the hardest matchups for Marquette all season with all of the size that UConn has. And it's not just a Kanwu inside. A Kanwu is great. Like he is really special. I think he's a really good player, but they just have big bodies everywhere. They just have big briskets all over that basketball court and they're able to beat up Marquette. And that sucks. And that's a shitty feeling and you feel lifeless. I mean, Kirkuth was terrible in this game. Like Kirkuth really did not belong. He got absolutely bullied. And I do worry about other teams potentially doing this to Marquette in the tournament. So I did some research. Um, yes, I know that might shock you. But I, I did some research looking at offensive rebounding percentages for Ken Palm and saw how they correlated to bracketology to see if this is a team that we need to worry about for the Golden Eagles. So I picked out some teams where I was like, all right, these teams I would be terrified of and others where they have good rebounding numbers and maybe good size, but I still feel kind of confident in Marquette's chances. The one team that we threw out that's in the tournament is TCU, only because TCU is a nine seed. TCU's best re offensive rebounding team in the country. And you look at that, they don't have a ton of size, so it's kind of weird that they are that. I just did not see a pathway where Marquette and TCU could meet, um, maybe in the first round, but it, we're totally dealing in hypotheticals there because right now TCU's sitting at a nine and I don't think they're gonna shock the world and beat a one seed and then Marquette's facing them in Sweet 16. So really no need to talk about TCU. So the teams that terrify me are as followed. Now I will give my explanations. Houston, Baylor, Kentucky, and Murray State. Houston is easily one of the scarier teams that I do not want to see Marquette draw with because Houston is just a bunch of motherfuckers. They grind you out. They play really tough defense. They body you. They are not afraid to take you into a street fight. And I'm not saying UConn is even that. Like, I don't think UConn's that tough in terms of it. I just think they're big. But I think what Houston is, is they're not only big, but they're tough. And I just worry the combination there. It might be first to 50 wins, just given how both defenses play. But I, I do think Houston could really create some problems for Marquette with the way they rebound the basketball. Other team that terrifies me, Kentucky. Oscar Shibway is my biggest nightmare player. If Marquette were to see him in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, I mean, the guy could go for 30 and 30. Like, it, Shibway is so fucking good. I love watching him play. Like, I, and I don't know if it's because I follow Matt Jones, who's Kentucky Sports Radio on Twitter, and he indoctrinates me or what, but Shibway is such an old school dude that I think is going to be a real fit in the NBA. Like, I, I think he has a fit in the NBA. And he's just extremely impressive. Uh, to me, he's my, the national player of the year, more so than Johnny Davis. I think Johnny Davis has kind of cooled off. I would give it to Shibwe. I do think there are some other candidates that are worth discussing in the college basketball realm. Other teams that scared the shit out of me, Baylor. Look, Baylor has a bunch of size. Baylor's been there before. Uh, the zone is an issue. Now, the one thing about Baylor that gives me an ounce of confidence is that Shaka has played against Baylor. So Shaka knows what it's like to deal with that Baylor zone. Marquette's also shot the lights out in conference play. So maybe that does give them a chance. But Baylor, even though they're a zone team, they're a fucking great rebounding team. And that's a problem. <laughs> that can be a real issue. And 
I just worry Marquette would struggle on the glass against the Bears. Last team is Murray State. So Murray State is a team where I don't know if a lot of you have paid attention to the run they're on. They're playing really good basketball right now. They I, they might be ranked. I think they are ranked, actually. They're they're tenth, they're tenth seed right now, according to Joe Lenardi. So Marquette might not even see them. It's kind of similar to TCU, but you never know. If they lose a couple games... Um, and they fall to an 11, and Marquette falls to a 6, then maybe we're getting another Marquette-Murray State showdown in the first round of the playoffs. Now, I'd hope that the committee would not do that, but what can you do? Murray State does not match up well with Marquette, as K.J. Williams, their star inside, is about 235 pounds, and their other two big guys are also 230-plus. So, like, they have beef. They can definitely beat up Marquette in the paint. And that worries me, especially in a tournament environment where you're playing a day later or two days later, excuse me. So you're going from Friday to Sunday or you're going from Thursday to Saturday. Like that's nightmare fuel for Marquette facing a guy like KJ Williams and like the Murray State Racers. So other matchups where it's not good, but I, I still feel okay, Purdue. I obviously, Purdue's terrifying for all their size. Purdue has a, the most size in college basketball. That said, I still feel kind of okay against Purdue for two reasons. Number one, Matt Painter shits down his leg when it gets closer and closer to the Final Four. That's number one. Matt Painter is not that good of a coach. Number two, Jaden Ivey, who's incredible. I think another guy who you could throw into the National Player of the Year race would get locked up by Darren Marcel. Marcel versus Jaden Ivey would be a heavyweight fucking fight. Like, even though I might be scared of playing Purdue, I would pay to watch Marcel and Ivey. Now, I know, I think Ivey's not a not a freshman, right? I think they've went up against each other in the past. But still, point remains. I think that Marcel versus Ivey would be excellent to watch. And I'm fascinated by it because I, I think Purdue... To me, is the most fascinating team. I'm not going to pick Purdue to go to the Final Four because Purdue what does what Purdue does, and they lose before it. They've never been to a Final Four, so I'm not going to pick Purdue to a Final Four. I can promise you that. That said, with all their talent, with a guy like Jaden Ivey, would I be surprised if Purdue is in the Final Four? Would I be surprised if they win a national title? No, honestly, I wouldn't. Arizona is another team that I have no real worry about. They, yeah, they have a bunch of size. They have that big Montreal guy who I name I did not grab before this. Like Shibway, I like wrote out the pronunciation. Like I was like, I'm not fucking this up. It's Shibway. Let's go. I did not do that with the Arizona big guy. So I apologize. I forget his name. Things like Benedict or something like that. Arizona does have a lot of size, true, but they are very inexperienced. So if Marquette. And so is Marquette, but I would take the shock of smart coaching versus Tommy Lloyd, who will be coaching in his first March Madness. One of the other reasons why you can't trust Arizona too far in this tournament. Alabama, another team that would definitely give Marquette some trouble with how they rebound the basketball, but I am not as concerned with Bama after watching them a couple times. Bama to me, seems like a team that's going to lose in the first round. And Marquette will not see Alabama in the first round. They are going to be a first-round upset. Other teams that I would not like Marquette to get in based on their rebounding numbers, St. Louis, Grand Canyon, and Buffalo. All, all could be uh, facing Marquette in the first round. I would like to see none of them. 
So we'll see how the chips fall. If they do have to face a tough rebounding team, so be it. That's life. And they'll hopefully can figure it out and get Marquette their first tournament win in eight years. Quick golden kegs uh, for the Marquette loss. The feedback was we want about losses or wins. Okay. All right. We're going to do it for both. Uh, three kegs to Omax, uh, Olivier Maxey Prosper. I thought Omax played really well all game long. Uh, he seemed like the only one not necessarily afraid of the trees and was really strong out the gates. Um, finished with 18 points. A solid night from Omax. You had Greg Elliott, who did everything he could to get this team back into the game. Hit a couple big-ass threes. I felt like when he hit the three after the missed dunk, I was like, okay, here we go. Like This is the patent. Second half, Marquette run, and then UConn shut it down. Then I think they ended up going on like a 7 or 9 run after that missed dunk, or after that Elliott three. But Elliott did a ton. Lastly, Justin Lewis uh, continues his run of talented performances against really good teams. I think this is a good tape for Justin Lewis, especially the second half. Like He really got himself going, uh, and I, I really thought that Lewis played okay. I, I wouldn't say he played the best. He also, I got to give credit, like I, on the UConn big men, he did a really good job of defending them, even though he was giving up a ton of sides. He didn't give a shit. It was very Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker-esque from Justin Lewis. So solid performance from those guys. Unfortunately, they could just not get it done. Could not push over the hill against UConn. But the good news is the gauntlet is over. Marquette 4-2 in that gauntlet. Now face Butler on the road in Hinkle. Hinkle has been a weird place before. Uh, Butler is not good. Uh, so hopefully Marquette can get it done. That game will be at 3.30 if you care. Lastly, we are on to our new segment called Today in Aaron Rodgers Rumors. I'm not promising you this is going to be an everyday thing, but it's Today in Aaron Rodgers Rumors. Charles Woodson, former teammate, good friend of Aaron Rodgers, says the backers should move on from Rodgers and look in another direction. Pretty strong comments from, again, a friend of Rodgers. Now, we don't. what we don't know, um, as my friend Mike taught me, like we don't know what's real or what's not. Like, it, did Roger send Charles Woodson on his behalf to kind of talk about, oh, yeah, they should look at trading him. And I do want out, but I want to do it in the most delicate way possible. Is he is Aaron Rodgers using a proxy like Charles Woodson? I don't know. I personally cannot stand this opinion directly. I love Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson, one of my favorite players ever. But sometimes you just don't have an opinion here. Like, when's the last time Woodson and Rodgers hung out? When's the last time we saw Woodson as part of a IG with Rodgers? just hasn't really happened. Now, I realize pandemic, yes, sure. But I just don't know how much Charles Woodson actually knows with Aaron Rodgers. And how much they have spoken about, you know, potentially a next adventure. Um, I don't know if that's accurate at all. I think... That is something that Woodson is projecting and looking at this and looking at the situation. And remember, too, here's the other thing to not forget about Woodson. I, and again, love the guy. But he was treated very poorly by Green Bay at the end of his career. Charles still had another year, year and a half left in him. Remember, he then goes to Oakland 
And he has a really fucking good year in his first year with the Oakland Raiders. They might have made the playoffs. That might have been the Connor Cook year. Then the next year, he struggled, fell off, he retires. All right? I think Woodson looks at what the Packers did to him as sort of an affront to Rodgers. How could you not? How could you not say it like, well, I don't want Aaron to basically have to deal with what I dealt with, dealt with. Like, just get traded. Don't get released. Like, make sure that you are taken care of and you are in a place that loves you. And it's just what team traded for you. I don't know. I think that you're going to see more of this. I think there are going to be more Packers who had a bad end experience with Green Bay in the Thompson era or even now in the Wolf era. They're going to come through and be like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers should leave. Aaron Rodgers should go. We have not yet heard Brett Favre's opinion on it. I know we'll get everybody's opinion on it. I feel like they're going to say, hey, Super Bowl prediction. And then also, what is Aaron Rodgers going to do? It is the talk consistently of sports media. It will not go away until Rodgers makes it. And he knows that. We all know that. And I think we'll get an answer, hopefully, next two weeks. That would be ideal. And that would be great for all of us. We'll see. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, we will talk about Buck Suns. We're going to do a big old preview on Buck Suns. I realize I have not talked at all about the Super Bowl. I do have an interesting prop bet that I think you're a sucker if you take it. So I'm going to recommend against it um, and explain to you why. And maybe we'll dig up some other stuff that catches my eye. Let's just put it that way. We don't really do a lot with betting anymore. But since Mitch and I are doing the show Thursday, which, by the way, uh, let's talk about that really quick. So Mitch and I are doing a show Thursday. Reason being is the NBA trade deadline. We'll cover all the trades that matter. And when I say matter, I mean the the Central, the Eastern Conference, really. So we'll talk about the Halliburton trade and that. We'll talk about what the Bucks did first and foremost, and then that. There will be obviously no Buck Suns talk because we're taping right before the game. I will add that on as an addendum uh, to it. So it'll be a little bit of a tapping the keg daily tap hybrid. Um, so I don't know if I want to call it episode 450 because I will be on for, I don't know, nine minutes or something like that. And then I'll hand, hand the ball over to not only myself, but Mitch as well. So we'll see. But I'll, I'll figure that one out. I'll have to uh, talk to the powers at B. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, see you, bye.